0: that you'd be filled up with a measure that's beyond just your physical abilities, but there would be a filling of the Holy Spirit in every way across your whole self. Fill him up completely, Lord. And to the people of Jesus, you just cried out in worship, speak what is true. So, we're trusting now, Holy Spirit, that that's what's going to happen, and we give you permission to come and do that through what Kirk says this morning, that you have a kingdom purpose for each in this room and being in this room this morning. So, come and speak what's true. Come do what you want to do, Holy Spirit, through the message and the ministry this morning, we pray in your name. Amen. Thanks, Scott. Good morning, everybody. Hey, uh, <clears throat> yes, it's true. My, our youngest turned 18 yesterday, and so... We had a great time together with some of her friends, and and um, we were able to go sort of for some of the evening, but then we sort of peaked and then said, all right, you guys keep going, <laughs> so they kept going. Um, and uh, next weekend, our son's 21, and so it's, you know, a bit of party season at our house. August is always a party season at our place, and then Nicole is, uh, I won't tell you how old she is, I'll let her tell you, but her birthday's a few days after Luke, and then a dad's 85, 86 a few days after that. And so just so much cake And a season. August is just all cake. It's not good for our health, really, to be honest. It's not good for our health. But hey, um, this morning we're going to pick up where we uh, started last weekend, where we started to talk about and have some um, conversations around uh, wh- what's it like to steward... What God's placed in our lives, in terms of His kingdom, the the little dreams that He's um, placed in our hearts of the kingdom of God, and what that might look like in our life, as as we go and. Um, you know, I think nearly everyone in the room put their hand up during the course of the morning to say, yes, I've had one of those moments where God has spoken to my heart and he's put a picture or a vision or a dream in my heart of his kingdom that um, he wants me to um, carry with him. And, um, and, uh, and, and so we're not unfamiliar when God speaks to our hearts and says, here, Here's a, here's a glimpse of what of, is of my heart that I want you to carry until I say. <laughs> Whether it fulfills or not, it's about the carrying and the stewarding of what God's asked us to partner with him to see his kingdom come. And we looked at characters like Simeon, and um, who was um, an old man in the temple, and he would he would cry out for the coming of the Messiah, of Israel's Messiah at the temple every day. And um, it's really interesting because, uh, and, and, and then the, the Jesus is born and then Mary and Joseph bring Jesus in as only a few days old, as, which was right according to ceremonial law and all of that. And, it, and he says, ah, oh, yes, finally, my eyes have seen the fulfilment of, of, of the promise of God. And he carried that, and it wasn't until I went away from here last weekend, it was like the Lord reminded me, it was, he said, you know, Kirk, Simeon carried that at a time where I wasn't speaking to my people. Remember how the end of the Old Testament, uh, 400 years of silence. So Simeon is carrying this thing that God's placed in his heart, for the in-breaking and the arrival of the king and the kingdom of God. And so he's turning up, and and as far as Simeon's concerned, the direction is all orientated towards God. Oh God, bring your king, bring the kingdom. Silence. Doesn't it feel like that sometimes? (laughs) You're calling... For the things that God's placed in your heart and you just feel like it's silence. God's not afraid of maturing the workiness in the seasons of the silence either. It's a bit like the seed when it's planted in the soil. You can't see what's going on underneath the the soil, can you? You just have to somehow trust that the seed and the soil know what to do. Same with those things that God's placed in your heart to carry, that only you can carry. And you've been called to carry, to partner with him. Sometimes it seems like it's a long season of silence. But the work is happening so we started to look at that and, and then, uh, and then um, we looked at um, what that's like to carry something with God for a long season. Actually, Craig this morning, just during worship, you know, the Holy Spirit reminded Craig of a prophetic word that was spoken into the life of this fellowship many, many years back. Many, many years back of of how God, through the life of our worship together was was it was the picture was a um like a big uh, vat wooden vat that you th- at a winery where you'd throw all the grapes in, and the old school method was everyone would jump in on the grapes and start the stomping you know and um but that was this life of worship that was. Uh, the Lord was trying to describe for us here. And then out of the bottom of the vat, there was this little crack, a little crack, just a tiny one, and a little trickle of the juice that flowed out of the bottom of the vat to the side of a hill and flowed down the side of a hill. And as it flowed down the side of the hill, the the little trickle became wider and deeper, and it became this great big um, river flowing of this new wine. And as we asked the Lord, what was this wine? He said, that's my mercy. That's my mercy. And then as it flowed out into the world, thousands of people would just come and drink and drink from the mercy. And that was a good reminder. I think the Lord wanted us to remember that today. And that was spoken long ago. Now, when we say long ago, we're only talking like 20 years We're not talking like Simeon 400 years ago when the Lord last chatted with us. No, it was only 20. Only 20. There's some good perspective. So, you know, what are you carrying? What are you stewarding on behalf of the Lord and with the Lord? It's really important that we steward it and hold with him in it. So this morning I want to kind of continue to push into this whole area of stewardship and I want to just simply touch on a conversation this morning about how teachable are we? To, because to steward something means we're, we're taking care of something that belongs to someone else on behalf of someone else and yet it, that someone else is asked, asked to help them with it. And so um, we, how teachable are we to be able to be shown how to carry these things if you've got your bible and you want to get ready open it up to mark's gospel we're going to go there in a minute mark chapter one but simply to say to steward something well with god through the years will require a teachable heart it will require a journey of learning Isaiah 50 verse 4 says this, The Sovereign Lord has given me a well-instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He wakens my ear like one being instructed. You know, when the prophet spoke those words, it's interesting, he says there, he describes himself as, as one who does have a well instructed tongue. In other words, he does have an ear that understands the voice of the Lord, and he only speaks what he hears God speaking. He doesn't add to it. He doesn't subtract to it. He's, it's like he's speaking that from a place of maturity. Let me reassure you, he didn't start like that. He didn't start like that. He didn't just wake up going, I have got a well-instructed tongue and a well-inclined ear. That's, that's the fruit of a, of a person that gave themselves to a journey of stewarding the call of God on their life. And as a result of that, they matured and they grew up into the grace that God had on their life. Same for you and me. God's calling us to all grow up, but to grow up, we need to be teachable. We need to be teachable. Um, and We're going to read Mark chapter 1 in a minute, but if we could go to the next slide. Thanks, Steve. Jesus says in this passage that we're going to read in a moment together, he says to his disciples, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And the key bit that we want to focus on is the bit that we often read over. We like the idea of the, oh, yeah, we want to come and follow because there's a lot of action and there's some good news and there's some freedom here. We love all of that. Uh, it's going to affect other people. Yep, I'm in for that because it's giving me a sense of purpose and I, of, of belonging. Yep, I'm all of that. But the I will make you bit. Hang on a minute. Yeah, that's right. God wants to get his hands on our heart, he wants to get his hands on our thinking, he wants to get his hands on our whole life because he wants to shape us into the kind of people that are willing to be shaped to partner with him to bring the kingdom. Here's a prayer for you. Get your hands on me, God. (laughs) Get your hands on me. Shape me, make me. There's a good prayer. Hey, let's open a Bible. If you haven't got your Bible, it'll be on the screen there on the next one. Thanks. Mark chapter 1. So I love Mark's the way he writes. He he just bursts onto the scene with all this action. Uh, so we're going to pick up in verse 14. Verse 14. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Jesus calls, uh, as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus says, and I'll send you, I'll make you fishers of men, or I'll send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets and followed him. When they'd gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. And without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed me. Uh, followed him. Now yeah, I don't know if you, if I was Zebedee that day, I'd be like, "Get back here, you, <laughs> you rotten kids! Don't you can't leave me high and dry like this." But they're like, "Nah, see, you, Dad." We've, we've seen someone better that's a better fisherman than you'll ever be. That's what's going on. How dare Jesus turn up and say he's got a better plan for their lives than, than their own dad had? Well, that's, that's the nature of this thing, that, that, that when Jesus puts this invitation towards people to, to come and follow, Jesus is, is wanting to answer that prayer that we've all been born with, which is to know God to know God. You know, um, following Jesus has been a constant journey and a process for me of having to learn to agree with his best choices for my life. (laughs) I don't know if that's your journey, but that's my journey. I'm constantly having to learn to agree With his best choices for my life. Now, Zebedee's boys, those lads, they were skilled fishermen. They were no deals. They knew what the the trade involved. They'd grown up in a family that that knew this trade inside and out. They, they They could do it with their eyes closed. And yet, someone came along and said, I can show you how to do this better and with more purpose and significance. They had to make that decision. Will I agree with Jesus' words to my life that he wants to shape it and has purpose for it? Constantly, I'm having to learn what it means for Jesus to be the author of my faith. Hello? (laughs) He's the author and the perfecter of my faith. There's an interplay there, isn't there, between him and us. He gets to write the story. He gets to author it. We get to live it out as we partner with him. Now, that's not saying just lay there and be a, you know, bring nothing to this. It's not saying be a doormat it's it's actually acknowledging that his authoring is the a better reality than we could ever craft for ourselves i mean just fitting who is so happy with the way they've crafted their own life for themselves not a lot and the ones that are they're not telling it true See, this is the good news. The good news of the king is that he has come to author our lives as God always intended for us when he breathed his breath into us while we were still in our mother's womb. God lovingly places us Into circumstances and situations and relationships and communities of faith and workplaces where I can best learn to be like Him. Don't you just thank God every day for your workplace? I'm so pleased, God. I'm working here today. Again, thank you you have authored my life in such a way that today in this workplace that I've turned up in time and time again or it may have even been like a brand new workplace and it's still shiny and new thank you because today you are going to make me more alive into the purposes of God than I could ever imagined isn't that how we pray every day i mean i think that i think that's the invitation though i think that's the invitation lay down how we craft our life and follow him how he does life that's it i mean it's not rocket science is it but it does take courage it does take courage and it does take faith you know, the moment I got saved and gave my life to Jesus, I came rocketing into the kingdom of God, set free and on fire. And I I believed that Jesus put something in me that everyone on planet earth needed to have audience to. It was just rock, I just rocketed in. I got set free, I got delivered of demonic powers. I got healed. My heart was healed. That song, that hears my heart, Lord. That song, that's my song. That's my song. Because he said to me, I want all of that, Kirk. <laughs> all of that heart. And I said, righto, only if you'll give me all of yours. And so now I've been, you know, got rocketed into that space, and I'm thinking everyone needs to hear this. And I'm like, right, God, you've authored my life. You put me in front of the audience now. And you know what God in his goodness did? He saw fit to create an opportunity for me to share this life-changing, soul-burning, heaven-populating message into a Inner city, old, run down, beaten little Methodist church in the heart of Brisbane. And it was a packed out church every Sunday with 12 people. Every Sunday, 12 people. And Jesus said, Here, I want you to teach them for the next two years of your life. Every Sunday. 40 years my senior at least, every single one in the room. And at first I struggled to understand why Jesus had given me this group to preach the gospel to and with every week. Surely me, a firebrand young 20-year-old man, was made for something more. Surely, God, I'm made for something more than these 12 people every week in the same seats in those hard wooden pews where we would turn on the little cassette player and open up the red hymn books and sing these classic hymns every week. Come on, Lord, surely I was made for more than this. But you see, Jesus Jesus wants to shape us, the things that he's placed in us to carry with him. He needs to shape us to be able to carry them. And sometimes he will graciously and lovingly put us into places and circumstances and relationships that we can't figure on the surface as to, why on earth have you placed me here, God? Well, there's things for us to learn. We'll jump onto the next slide, thanks, Stephen. You see, we've got to remember this: We are becoming those kind of people in the making of Jesus, but to do this, we must remain teachable. One of the first steps of discipleship, of following Jesus, is allow him to put us into the learning process. Go on to step, step five, thanks, uh, slide five, thanks, Steve. You see, in my journey of becoming a disciple of Jesus, I've, I've constantly found he has environments that he wants to best grow me in. He puts me in circumstances, relationships, ministry situations, conversations where he wants to grow me. When Nicole and I first moved up to North Queensland to pastor up in North Queensland, we were 24. There wasn't a grey hair on our heads. In fact, I had a full head of hair then. Yes. (laughs) Yes, I did. I did. I got photos to prove it. But we were this, just this squeaky little young couple, you know, full of, full of love and energy and bravado and let's go, God, let's take the world, you know. And so anyway, we're up in North Queensland, and one of the first things I um, when we arrived, I was the new, the new minister in this group of churches that we were looking after. And um, like day three, I get a phone call, uh, from one of the uh, people in our church that someone down the street that they knew had died, and they, they, they're they asking for the minister to come. And I'm like, heck, they didn't train me in this in college. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Never. What, what do you do with dead people? I don't know. What, well, uh, anyway, uh, I, my first thought was, well, we raise them. We raise them. Yes, we raise them. <laughs> and that was my first thought. <laughs> And um, so, anyway, uh, I'm like, I have got no idea. This family, they don't, they don't know Jesus. Uh, this this man, he he was, as I understood, was not a believer. And so, anyway, this um, one of the elders in the church, this dear woman, her name was Joan. Uh, she was, pr- I think, she was probably in her sixties. Um, and and Joan, she she um, she said all right, Kirk, I'm going to come past your place and pick you up and we're going to go to their home. And I said, righto, Joan. So she comes past and she picks me up, and I've known Joan all of like a week and a half. And, um, and she just looks at me when I came in the car and she must have seen deer in the headlights or something on my face. <laughs> and, 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 and she looked at me and she said, how are you feeling about this? I said, Joan, i got no idea what to do. And she said, that's all right, love, I've been here before, follow me. I went, righto. <laughs> so anyway, Joan just gets me in the car, we drive to this house and we get welcomed into this home and in the middle of the living room, uh, the man who um, had passed away, he was he was still there. And and so Joan just walks in and the, after she said hello to the family, she, uh, the first thing she did was she said, are you, are you okay if I would just place, my, she says to the family, are you okay if I just place my hand on... I've forgotten his name, Brian, Brian Frank, that Brian Frank, surname anyone, <laughs> Brian Frank We and, and, and they said yes that's fine so Joan just gently walked up and just placed a hand on his chest, she said nothing but she was just acknowledging his presence in the room as in his physical body in the room you know. And with that, the memory of him and all of the story of him, and she did nothing; she just placed a hand on him. I'm right, Kirk. Take note when walk in, put hand on hearts. <laughs> seriously, seriously, this is how you learn. You you guys have learned trades, haven't you? You guys have been skilled up as how to do teaching and art, and this is the type of brush you need when you're doing this kind of painting, and and this kind of you know. It's mechanical, but, but, but somehow we remove all of that when we think about spiritual stuff. Keep it very real. Keep it very real. And so anyway, did all of that and <clears throat> went through that. And, 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 and so God was teaching me how to sit with people in their grief. God was teaching me how to love them and how to learn to lead people, whole families through journeying of how to say goodbye to a loved one and how to share the gospel and the good news of Jesus' love for a family that doesn't know him in a moment like that. I thank God for Joan. You see, she'd been in those settings before me She was kind enough to show me how to also be in those settings. You see, when Jesus is our Lord and we seek to follow him, part of the journey is he has to locate you into the story that he's writing with your life so that the things that he's placed in here from his very spirit make sense for our everyday life. And the reason why so many of us walk around perplexed, unhappy, no joy, a sense of disillusionment is because what's in here is dislocated from the reality of what Jesus is trying to do with our everyday life. He wants to locate us. Will we give him permission to locate us so that what's in here connects with purpose with what's happening here? around us every day and our relationships when jesus uh with jesus as lord and as we seek to follow him the journey is he locates us and he places us into relationships and he places us into churches is another thing as well he places us into churches fellowships of Jesus people why because he's committed to growing us up and seeing this in here affect what's around here he places us into circumstances so that we can surround our life with Joan type people who will look at us and go it's going to be all right just let's have a go at it this way Where God places people of grace and wisdom and empowering and authority all around us so that we can grow up into what he's asked us to steward with him. He places us in churches because he's committed to growing us, to making us, to shaping us for his glory and purposes, and to give us joy, joy, Joy that he's looked at our lives and said, I'm going to give you the most incredible opportunity that you will never be able to write for yourself. (laughs) He calls us into that and creates that. His loving actions for us. You know, his grace for you has placed you here. Not in the seat, but here in this Crew and group of people, Jesus' people. He's placed you here. Why? Because He loves you and He wants to grow you. Love the church. We love the church. He wants you to flourish through being in relationship with the people alongside you. Jesus, in His wisdom, had me and Nicole up our whole life to North Queensland so he could teach us a few things. Where is he wanting to locate you? I love the story of just even in the last couple of years, just watching how, you know, Stephen and Lisa, you know, they've come across from New Zealand to spend time with family and, and at the same time, God's located them in a fellowship of believers like us. You should, you should listen to that story. Because they've not only come as a gift, you're a gift to them. They've got something to receive as well. When Jesus calls us into life of being a disciple, there comes a moment of trust where we must cross the threshold. That threshold moment is where we actually give ourselves into the purposes of Jesus when he says to our life, follow me, I'll make you. <laughs> you don't get the fishes of men without the being made. <laughs> Hello? You, it's, the, it's the journey of the shaping that brings the fruit. So back to my original story of when I was this young whippersnapper preaching in this small inner city Methodist church. We'll go to um, slide six, thanks, Stephen. You see, one of the things about being teachable is letting those that Jesus places us amongst, we allow them to speak into our life. We learn to listen to them and we learn to appreciate their feedback to our life. Ever heard that thing, like that comment, we've all got a blind spot? (laughs) Problem is we don't realise it because we can't see it. That's why it's a blind spot. We need help to see how we truly are. I have a picture in my mind what I look like. then I will go and stand in front of a mirror, and the mirror tells me a different story. We need help. (laughs) Even with my glasses on, Lainey, it's still telling me a different story. (laughs) It's still telling me a different story. We need help to see ourselves as we truly are. And that's one of the gifts of being located by Jesus into a group of people of his community in grace because they feed back to us and, teach, and help us to see. You know, that, that little story where I was preaching to this crew every, every Sunday for two years, part of the journey of that experience was I, I, I would do my, you know, preach, and then after service, we'd all stand around and, with fine china, have little cups of tea and egg sandwiches, and, and they would tell me what they thought of what I said. I mean, these are long-term, good, solid, Methodist people. I mean, they have seen the greatest of preachers in their ages. They They were there when Billy Graham came through and the great moves of God came through our country. They know great preachers and teachers... They knew what it was to sit under young men and women who'd been schooled by Wesley and and those coming out of that lineage of of firebrand teachers and preachers. They knew good preaching and handling of the scriptures when they saw it and heard it. And so I had to take two years of cups of tea and egg sandwiches and humble myself and let them feed back to me what they really thought about what I was doing. They were a gift to me. At first I didn't think so. (laughs) At first I thought, geez, you're a tough crowd. (laughs) Easy, easy. But God places us in community so that we can see how we really are. He places us among people so that they can feed back to us how we truly are. And learning to let people speak into our life is an important part of that process. And learning to listen to feedback, at first it was jarring, you know. Their honesty, though, helped me to see myself with truth and grace. Not just all truth, because if it's all truth, then it's just, it's too intense. But they, they managed to love me with truth and grace, so that the truth was palatable. And I was able to see that in play. They helped me to see and hear the blind spots that I had and that, that we all have. And to learn with them and through them that Jesus can and still does work through others for our sake. I realised over it, you know... Many those well, it felt like many years. Those two years—how the longest two years! Oh, my goodness, they were long. But I learned by the grace of God that from that moment on, to just welcome feedback to my life, and ultimately, this means daily positioning my heart and my mind in every moment with a simple thing: teach me, God, today. Teach me. I want to be more like you. Remaining teachable is such a valuable attitude and a posture in life of learning. Even the best experts in any trade, any vocation, any um, you know learning institution, you go to them. Those those that are in the positions of influence and teaching are the ones who are given to still being taught. They haven't arrived and pulled up stumps and said, I've got it, that's it. They are still on the journey of learning. Daily posturing ourselves, remaining teachable, a valuable attitude and a posture, truth and grace. My life has seen Jesus place me in some incredibly huge moments of joy, And of grief, of success and failure, of despair and delight. And I continue to learn to be thankful for all of those circumstances and all of the people in those circumstances and the ones that God has placed me into so that I might draw from the storehouse of his grace through their life. You see, in Luke chapter 1, uh, if, if you read Luke chapter 1, it's a fantastic story of how, uh, you know, Jesus um, goes on from the synagogue and he drives out a demon in Luke 20, Luke one twenty one to 28. And basically, as he goes and drives out this demon, he's basically saying, hey guys, this is how you drive out a demon. He, he was just very practical how to do that. He wanted his disciples to know. In Luke 29, uh, sorry, in, in, in Luke 1, Jesus goes to Simon's house and heals his mum from a fever. And the many, uh, the many that were there around the house that same day, the sick and the demonized, those people were healed and set free. Jesus was saying, Hey guys, here's how to heal someone with a fever. Hey guys, here's how to set someone free from demonic oppression. Hey guys, here's how to heal sickness. Uh, Luke 135, Jesus withdraws to a place of solitude to pray. Hey guys, you need to stay over there because right now I need some time with my father and it's really important for me to have a moment here of solitude. You go and have some solitude. Jesus was on the move. We see it all the way from one kingdom moment to the next. Hey, guys, don't live in last week's kingdom moment. Don't don't stay in yesterday's kingdom moment. Don't stay in this morning's kingdom moment because the kingdom is always advancing. It's always breaking in. The Father's always at work. He's always on the move. Keep living in what the King is doing in this moment. And look for him in the next, taking with you what you've learned of that previous kingdom moment. Don't live in that previous kingdom moment. Live in this moment with the king as he's ministering and look for the next. That's the posture of being a teachable person. Luke 1, 40, 45, Jesus heals a man with leprosy. And again, he has to deal with a sea of people that were coming to him. How to deal with it when you feel like you've got all these people coming at you? Jesus is equipping his disciples of how to do that. The response is not, there's too many. (laughs) Can't do it. No, the response is, Jesus, how do you do this? In this moment where all these people are coming at me, show me your ways through this. Um, lastly, if we go to uh, seven things, lastly, it's, it really is about being a lifelong learner. Teacher, being teachable is something that I'm learning is, is everyday and ongoing I've had to learn to become thankful for the invitations from Jesus in each setting that he places me in so that I could be a disciple, his student. And as Jesus has sought to make me and is continuing to make me, I find myself constantly seeking out others who have a more developed and a more mature discipleship experience than me. I am always looking for someone who's been there before me. You know, Ken's coming here in a few weeks. And I, and I want to affirm what Scott said. Come and have that moment with God. Have that experience of the Holy Spirit that when, when Ken ministers and moves around, the power of the Spirit is demonstrably just strong and amazing and life-giving and it's all Jesus. And, and yet at the same time, Don't just come for that. Don't just come for the touch. Come for the invitation from Jesus to be equipped to live the life that he has won for you to live. Because Ken's going to again, you know, people are going to come here and they're going to be, the sick are going to come and the sick will be healed people who are struggling with demonization and spiritual oppression, they will be set free and healed. No doubt that will happen. But but for the teachable ones, they will be watching Ken with a different posture. For the teachable ones, you'll be watching and listening and learning, and you'll be going, how does he do that? I want to learn to do that. You're going to incline your ear a little differently. You're going to to come with a notebook and a pen. You're going to to be leaning forward for both the touch and the empowering, equipping experience as well. Teachable. Come, when Ken's here in a few weeks, come teachable. Come with that posture. When Jesus called the 12 together in Luke 9, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and cure diseases, and he sent them out. Go, preach the kingdom of God and heal the sick. You know, one of the big journeys for me over many, many years is, is the journey from praying for the sick to healing the sick. And so often Jesus never, I, well, I don't, I don't ever see Jesus say to his disciples in his commissioning statements to them, when you go, pray for the sick. He never, not not once does he say that in his commissionings, he says, when you go, proclaim the good news and heal the sick. Unfortunately, we, we've only ever sort of hung out in the playground of let's pray for the sick, and we've never actually grown up into the maturity of what it looks like to heal the sick. Uh, I, you know, I was in Perth uh, two weekends ago with with a group of Jesus people and we we're just doing a workshop on healing someone person had a word of knowledge about someone had a sore hip and someone in the room said that's for me and so we I said let's get a few around them and so we start pr- you know inviting the Holy Spirit to come God would you bring your kingdom and then uh so it's one person and about six others around them and two were laying their hands on the person and anyway they're i say all right give it your best shot (laughs) i just like like a coach you know give it your best shot let's go give it your best prayer and oh god oh there's oh god oh god this god thank you god for you're a healing god and i said okay hang on just let's stop and they were like what looking at me like i said it's okay we're not going to scare the holy spirit away Pray like Jesus prayed. Now, Jesus prayed a prayer of command. And when Jesus saw the sick, he spoke to the sickness and he said, or well, the condition, and he said, be healed or, yeah, get out or come alive, those sort of prayers. It was a command. And so they had, I said, now pray those kind of prayers. And you could see everyone was squirming a bit. Because what you're doing in a moment like that is you're pressing on people's understandings of their authorization and the authority of Jesus on their life. It's like, do they really believe they're authorized by King Jesus to do his work in the earth today? And when given the opportunity, often we will retreat. But that's, where, that's the learning moment. That's the, that's the point of invitation to growing up into what God has for us. So anyway, a few of them got stuck into it then, which was great. And they're like, <clears throat> you know, going for it. Hip, be healed. And someone else said, hip, receive God's power. They just started talking to the hip. And anyway, it was great because the power of God fell on this dear woman and she starts shaking like, mm, you know, like someone plugged the electrical power point into her or something. She's just like starts shaking under this Presence of God's kingly authority coming over her life in power, and as that's happening, the funny thing was, I'm the only person witnessing this. You know why? Because they're all praying with their eyes closed, with their heads bowed. And so while this this is taking place, I'm like, "All right, everyone, just stop." I said, "It's okay. The Holy Spirit's not going to run away. This person will still get ministered to." I said, "Everyone, look at me," and they all heads up and looked at me. I said, "Why are you praying with your eyes closed?" How can you see what God's doing if your eyes are closed? Because we've always been taught, when you pray, come before the Father, close your eyes and bow your heads. Well, this is a different way of praying. (laughs) Open your eyes, lift up your chin and look at what God's doing and join in. (laughs) Keep your eyes open. It's, It's just little things, little things. But for those that are inclined to be teachable, you will see these things, you will learn these things, the ways of King Jesus. So in my hunger to follow Jesus into that journey to learn about being all that he has for me, I've sought out people who are more more developed, more advanced, more mature, have more understanding of what it means to heal the sick I've spent my own time, my own money, my own energy to get to, to have audience with and to give myself to being, like Isaiah said, I want to be someone who's well instructed. Remain teachable. Jesus has called us to follow him and he will make us Fishes of people. He will make you in this last season of life for most of us. There has been a huge, huge wave of passivity come over the people of Jesus in the earth. All over, I'm talking to people all over the earth, no matter what um, language group, no matter what. Um, tribe or nation you're from, the body of Jesus has been pacified in the last few years. It's time, folks, to posture ourselves as teachable once again and let the Holy Spirit empower us to do what Jesus invites us to do when he says, follow me, I'll make you, I'll make you. God's placed you here, God's placed you in this church because he wants you to learn, he wants you to grow. He doesn't want you to sit in your sense of passivity and disqualification that the last season has washed over everybody with. No, he's called you and he's called me to draw deeply from what he is doing directly to us and through our brothers and sisters that we're sitting amongst so that we might pass it on to other generations. God's placed you here. Let the people of Jesus speak into your life. Just humble yourself enough and realize it's a long road. It's a long road, and it's a journey of daily new mercy, new revelation, new grace. It's all about being teachable. I love that little picture of Sam up there on the screen. He's a fantastic... He is so skilled at teaching people how to make coffee. Like, I was there this morning trying to do the, you know, the the artwork with the milk as it comes out and I, there was some seriously disturbing images that came out when I was doing that. Like, oh, let's put a lid on that quick. But Sam was just... He was leaning over. And he says, oh, if you just... Try that with you know, your hand there, do that. I was like the next one I did, it was like way better. Now I could have said, blow off mate, I know what I'm doing. But he taught me something, just very, very simply, very gently and very graciously that that brought me into now I'm I'm gonna go home and I'm gonna try and do it in front of the, the car and go, hey, check that. <laughs> I know how to do the milk thing <laughs> but he made in the space of a few minutes his skills and his grace helped shape me with a new skill and a new way of doing things so simple imagine what it would be like if we let Jesus get his hands on us where he's already promised I'll make you let's stand and pray God, would you please continue to teach me your ways all the days of my life? God, please keep on putting people in my life who will help me to become the disciple of Jesus that you've always longed for and are authoring me to become. Holy, Holy Spirit, help me to be, be gracious and humble And to stay the course and to realize there's always more to learn. Grant me courage to actually be humble enough to apply the wisdom that you're gifting me through the people of Jesus around me that I'm doing the journey with. I desire to become a source of your life, Lord, to generations that will follow me. All for your greater glory and for their salvation and for your kingdom into the earth, Lord. Just like it is in the heavens. Here's my heart, Lord. Speak what is true.